welcome to AJ Long Reads, where we bring to you the best of Al Jazeera's long-form journalism to listen to in your own time. In claustrophobic North India, where generations have grown up breathing in deadly air, dust is a normal part of everyday life. I am Mohita Namzoshi, and you're listening to I Smell It, Taste It, Feel Its Heaviness. Life in Delhi's Dust by Anandi Mishra It was February in Manali, Himachal Pradesh, in the western Himalayas. As the winding highway took a turn along the Bias River, our taxi's clean, just-washed windshield quickly gathered a thick patina of dust. Dogs chased the car, their limbs like the flapping wings of a bird struggling to move through a dust storm. I scanned the dawn mountainscape for lights, subconsciously looking for even the remotest semblance of city life, and saw more dust. As we rolled up the side windows, the dust was already between our teeth, covering our clothes and the book in my hand. As part of a recent series of major infrastructure projects in the state, a new tunnel was inaugurated by the Prime Minister in October. As work gets on constructing a six-lane highway, to connect this remote town with higher areas in the Himalayas, we watched roadside buildings, shops and small towns are all bathed in what looked like months of dust and pondered the true cost of this development. Dust is everywhere in North India, like a trail left behind by the development. Marking its territory, it doesn't even leave us alone during vacation. On the highway, in our food, in the washrooms, the dust is omnipresent. At the start of this trip, on a late February night, we boarded the state transport bus from Delhi to Manali. Through the 12-hour road journey, we were constantly disturbed by a miasma of dust combined with vehicle fumes. Wading through a thick haze, our bus driver tried to manoeuvre his way through the slow traffic. That night, unable to stop for dinner or even washroom breaks, I felt more restricted than ever by the dust. I tried to squint and narrow my eyes to see through the haze, but kept meeting with a thick translucent sheet. Unable to even see beyond a couple of metres, those hours felt phantasmagorical. It was nothing like I had ever seen before. This dust, brought from the edges of peri-urban Delhi, was piled upon passing vehicles, gathered around the corners of dhabas, roadside restaurants, and rested atop various parked trucks, almost as if the dust itself was a resource awaiting sale and redistribution. We had not read anything about this haze in the daily news, so it felt like being caught in a new, unforeseen dimension. Combined with the oppressiveness of our face masks, we felt cast off, even forgotten by the rest of the world. That night, tightly ensconced in claustrophobia, Unable to sleep or even pause to straighten our backs, I watched the dust take over my life like never before. I had never felt as directly affected by the seemingly normal dust pollution that is all pervasive in India. But the more I think of it now, the more I realise how perhaps dust was always there. I just chose not to think about it. In the late 1990s, on family road trips we took in and around the states of Madhya Pradesh, Uttar Pradesh, Delhi and Punjab, dust was a constant companion. The roads in Uttar Pradesh were not well laid out, riddled with potholes, 
causing thick clouds of dust to rise up each time a vehicle passed by. Our windows rolled down, the dust would occupy every open surface, covering our hair, faces and teeth. I hardly remember if we even registered it, except for the immediate dirt it left in its wake. Now the thought of those trips feels tense. In India and Burma, Aldous Hexley writes, one breathes in it, India, not air, but dust and hopelessness. The present is unsatisfactory, the future dubious and menacing. I was born in Kanpur, about 400 kilometers away from the capital, where dust was an intrinsic part of our everyday life. Huxley's sentiments about breathing dust held as true then, in my school days in the mid and late 90s, as they do now. As toddlers playing in the muck outside my father's house, rolling in the dirt, running, soiling in it, along with other elements of the earth, we were freer than we ever would be. After an evening of play, when my brother and I returned home, our hands, knees, elbows, faces and clothes covered in dust, an earthy scent covered us. Dust then meant freedom. My mother, while instructing me to study hard and get out of this town, would often cite getting away from this dirt as one of the chief objectives. Now, this dust ties us in. In 2021, in the midst of a raging pandemic, North India is also experiencing a wave of construction. Living and working in Delhi, it feels like there is more dust accumulating than ever before. Each time I cough, I feel a chill rise, the dread of a disease or a long-standing illness waiting to take over my life. The skies are almost always a shade of yellow, the grime always between our toes. When I pet stray cats in my neighbourhoods, a cloud of dust leaves their scraggly bodies. I look out of the window of my room and notice a powdery veil obscuring the view. On most days, the coating is so thick and prevalent, I could write in it using my finger. When mixed with cement and water, it is a variant of this same oppressive dust that forms the concrete skeleton of the expanding country that India is. Dust then becomes a way of understanding the material that is also the making of India. In this way, dust becomes a way of seeing the cities and by extension the country. A method in itself, dust in India is the point from where I try to make sense of the upcoming burgeoning nature of development. A way to grapple with its constant flux of becoming, unbecoming and re-becoming. In this sense, this dust is more than just a component of the city. Rather, it reveals itself as a metaphor for the city itself. Delhi's geographical location is also to be blamed for this accumulation of dust, its landlocked nature adding to the woes. The capital city lies to the northeast of the Thar Desert, Rajasthan, to the northwest of the Central Plains and to the southwest of the Himalayas. This creates a bowl-like situation, trapping all incoming winds here right before the Himalayas. Driving through Manali as an urban, reasonably middle-class person from the capital, the dust we see casts a spell of doom. But it is not always the case for the locals. Our driver, Sanju, a resident there, boasted about the benefits of construction, remarking proudly that the development has resulted in higher property prices in the area, better connectivity and a boom in business. Considering the larger economic benefits, the health effects of this construction are a minor problem for many locals. The current Indian government, led by Prime Minister Narendra Modi, believes 
that its limited resources due to the impact of COVID-19 on the economy are better spent on infrastructure outlay. Instead of a separate urban employment program, the government believes this infrastructure push will create employment for locals. Over the years, the speed of road construction has become a benchmark for India's infrastructure creation. Now, under Modi, the government has set in place a new integrated infrastructure program which involves building roads, railways, waterways and airports. In the process, the government has revived the highway sector which was reeling under stress and lack of private investment. But there is no mention of the enormous cost the locals and the rest of North India has to pay for this construction. Dust has now morphed into a way of communicating the existence of development in parts of India. Even in the remotest corners, mounds of dust sit, denoting the existence of development somewhere in the vicinity. I joke with friends that dust should be changed into a form of currency, thinking that perhaps that will lead to its controlled dissipation. On March 30 this year, Delhi experienced strong surface winds enveloping the city. They carried dust from the neighbouring state of Rajasthan, painting the otherwise blue March skies a deep shade of yellow. By 11am on Tuesday, the capital was shrouded in planes of brown dust. The halo resembled the hackneyed orange-brown haze Delhi experiences every year around the Diwali season. As I worked and made lunch, I forgot to shut my room's windows. When I came back to the room, my desk, bed, chair and water bottle were all coated in a thick sheet of dust. I quickly finished lunch and started cleaning up, wiping off the thick layer of it from all corners of my laptop, dusting the bed, fluffing the pillows and wiping the desk. I was covered in dust and also able to taste it. The dust piling on then felt like an envoy, conveying a sense of impending doom. I texted a friend jokingly, I think in Delhi we live in the future. The next day the sun was out, but the dust remained. With the arrogance of a seasoned Delhiite, I peeked outside my room's balcony, seeing a vast, rusty, raspy-looking cloud looming over the city, convinced that my lungs, already leathered and damaged by the bad air I inhaled during my childhood, could take a little bit more of it. Within seconds my eyes itched, the chest felt aflame and my throat parched. I let out a rackety, tubercular cough. Stepping out of my rented flat in South Delhi one cold December morning in 2020, I sensed a strange acrid smell at first and then felt an ephemeral powdery presence that I immediately recognised as dust. In my hometown, the dust from poorly laid roads leapt over the streets, taking over entire neighbourhoods and engulfing whole highways. No one cared about the air quality in Kanpur then. We all carried on with our lives. A near-constant drizzle of dust fell on us as we hung out at the balcony. That December morning in Delhi, it felt the same. Scrolling through the day's news, I saw articles about rising air pollution, empty promises made by the government to address the issue and seasonal apocalyptic photographs of the city. The people in my neighbourhood were unmoored, carrying on with their days as if it was a trifling bit of something that needn't be cared for. I, on the other hand, was obsessed with the dread that the smudgy grey sky above conveyed. Back home, I removed my shoes to discover the several grams of dust I had brought along. It was everywhere, 
There was a thin coating of soot on my clothes, inside my hair, on my skin. No matter how much I brushed it away, it didn't seem to leave. In the few minutes that I took to close the drawing room's door behind me, it had entered and scattered itself on the floor, as if underscoring its presence. But within the next few days, I stopped noticing it. And life, as it always does, went on. Surrounded on all sides by its satellite towns like Noida, Gurugram, Ghaziabad and Faridabad, Delhi has been at the centre of various kinds of ongoing construction work for at least the last few years. These areas are a common site for workers and building projects and are under a constant blanket of thick smog. A heavy dust cakes windows and clogs throats as one moves through these places at all times. The dust comes from two main places, kicked up by cars along Delhi's vast and growing road network and various construction sites. Raw materials like brick and concrete required to carry on with construction are a big contributor to this dust too. This results in an air that is so foul, air doctors have advised children and the elderly to wear masks continuously. Every winter, as the chill descends, car exhaust fumes combine with the dust, leading to a strange heavy smog that covers the city for weeks. If we are lucky, a spell of rains can dissipate the shroud of smog for a few days, else it lasts for long windless stretches. Now I realise what I was sensing on my first winter day out in Delhi was a reality to which long-time Delhiites are now accustomed. In the last four years, this smog has radically reworked my experience of the city. Living beneath this veil of dust, my days and nights constantly surveilled by its presence, has led me to live a limited life. There's a constant looming threat. To live here is to experience an undoing in time, a constant heaviness in the chest, one knot atop another. You create a schedule, it falls apart. You try and create another one, and it scatters further still. There is a danger in exercising, going for a run, even walking. Before the pandemic, because of the dust, I was limited in my interactions with the outdoors. Now, stepping out is even more draining. To help allay the dangers, however momentarily, friends are buying cars to avoid taking public transport, treadmills to avoid running outdoors, and air purifiers to be able to breathe good air at home. Where I live in Chittaranjan Park, an affluent South Delhi neighbourhood, there are now more construction sites than houses. People are selling their ancestral homes to builders who are erecting apartment buildings at an unprecedented rate. On a five-minute walk in any direction, I pass by more than seven construction sites. Their condition nevertheless is the same. Barely covered piles of rubble spilling out onto the pavement. No fencing to keep the wind from whisking this dust into the streets. And enormous mounds of dirt sitting in empty lots. Grown used to them, people simply choose to look through these sites. Widely disregarded as even a topic of mild concern, unless the air quality index shoots beyond the dreaded 999 mark, the dust is now an extension of life in Delhi. Before the pandemic, we were used to spending around 1,500 rupees, $20, to secure sturdy N95 masks for the Diwali season. In my previous job, where we shared the building with a Japanese firm, I saw expatriates from ASEAN countries dipping in and out, wearing a surgical mask. I noticed them, 
thinking they knew something I didn't. When in reality, I shared that knowledge, but I just chose not to acknowledge it. Dustin Delhi has starkly dictated how I interact with the city in the last four years that I've lived here. I have seen it enter and seldom leave. I have seen how it exacerbates the air pollution woes in the city during the festive Diwali season, but we just chalk it up to stubble burning in neighbouring areas and move on. Dust for me has become a way of understanding the material rhythms that undergrid the concrete production of the city. Through it, I look at how Delhi has become a temporary stopping site for dust, a kind of transition space where it gets transformed from nature to concrete materiality, making and then unmaking the place in a way. Still, however bad it is, the air I breathe on my walks in Delhi is nevertheless a pale version of what my parents must have endured in Kanpur. Being a former industrial town, the city went into decline after the mills there went bust. I remember my grandmother used to burn coal in the veranda of our house to warm us in winter. For most people, the ball in the air is but another manifestation of the prevalent mood of neglect by the government, of constant apathy and abandonment. From childhood, I internalised the idea that we all breathe the same air. But around me now, I see something else. Clean air is something, increasingly, that you can buy. Dust is a tangible aspect of living now, an intrinsic part of the grey landscape, looming like a dull adjective. We factor it in while planning short vacations around Delhi, mindful of allergies, carrying medicines. The air we breathe was something to be taken for granted. But in Delhi, I can smell it, taste it, feel its heaviness on my palms. It's a forced part of my life, tagging along everywhere with me unwantedly. During the dust storm on March 30, even as I shut the doors and windows tight, I could almost hear it insinuate its way in through the small gap under the doors and between the spaces in the window. It laid itself, as if tired after all the travel, splaying upon everything in a fine, sooty, thin layer. Sensing its presence around me, I realised how this dust is now a part of my being. As much as I dust it away, it never really leaves. The dust has now taken the form of a paranoia, under whose fear I clean, scrub, dust and wipe every corner of the house, once and then over and over again. There is a pathetic sense of normalcy that prevails around dust in India. The acceptance that it is not going anywhere. I try to fight this immutable part of life, to push back against this feeling. In the daily struggle to remember, that we were all here before the dust, or were we? Thanks for listening to AJ Long Reads. This story was by Anandi Mishra. I'm Mohita Ramzoshi. Be sure to check out Al Jazeera's original docudrama podcast, Hindsight, narrated by Charles Dance. This series resurrects some of the world's most memorable figures. Here's a snapshot for you. I have many names, but most of you know me as the poet Rumi. Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous people would say if you asked them for their side of the story? I almost didn't get to be there at all. The movie's producers said they didn't want me to come to Hollywood. Well, this is it. 
I'm Charles Dance. Hindsight, a dramatized podcast that resurrects some of the world's most memorable figures by recreating their past. I wouldn't say I got nervous before concerts, but there were always those few moments just before I stepped out onto the stage when I could hear my heart beating in my ears. In season two, we dive into the lives of famed writers and entertainers who did what others thought impossible. In the country's moment of need, we women rose to the task. Trailblazers who sacrificed themselves to challenge the status quo. They were all so focused on the fact that I was a woman, a poetess, they called me. Maddening. I was a poet. These are the stories of their lives, based on documented events and their own words. You've heard of them, but now it's time you hear from them. My name is Gibran Khalil Gibran. Sing for me, Uncle Sven. Sing for me. I went with Omar Sharif. Season two of Hindsight from Al Jazeera. Wherever you get your podcasts.